What happens when the previous two generations in your family have been diagnosed and suffered and yes, died as a result of dementia or Alzheimer's? And how do you keep it all together so that you don't fall apart mentally, emotionally, and physically? Stay tuned. You might be surprised. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional, and financial strain does not have to be your MO. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for, and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Hello, everybody. It's Nancy May from Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. And this show is, I'll call it a caregiver's caregiver show, where my guest here is Jennifer Fink. And Jennifer is a, well, let's put it this way she's the daughter and granddaughter and great granddaughter of women who have all suffered from Alzheimer's or some sort of cognitive impairment. Now, I don't know about you, Jennifer, but it, it freaked me the heck out. It, it came, oh my God, what's next? But she also managed the care of her parents and her mom and, well, her dad and her mom. So I guess they're both parents anyway. But anyway, and, and then also managing her own professional career as a portrait photographer. Now, keeping that all together is one thing. But keeping your head on straight so that your heart doesn't always fall out of your chest and you don't lose your breath is a whole nother thing. And that's what Jennifer's going to share with us today. A little bit more about how to sort of find that mindful grounding without losing it ourselves, especially when we're not. All right. For those of you who are into meditation and mindfulness, I'll call it the rule stuff. Don't take it personally. But if you're not into that, it's okay. It is helpful, though, to know how to just sort of find that quiet peace so that you can get your life in gear and move forward to with all the responsibilities that you've got. So on that note, Jennifer, thank you so much for being my guest because I've been there, done that, but we fall off that mindfulness track really easily when there's so many other things that are in the center of our lives. How how did you do it? Well, thank you for having me, Nancy. I have tried meditation a lot, and my brain does not shut off by the to-do list or the want-to-do list or the need to do. It's just rolls oh, through. chatter, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like there was even, I don't know if it was a podcast or there was a guy that had like meditation for idiots or non-meditative people or something, and I have not been able to find it, which is super frustrating, but I was blessed to have a guest come into my life at the most opportune time. So the beginning of March 2020, we all kind of know what was going on. My mom fell and broke her leg. She'd had an unobserved fall at the end of 2019. And so things were obviously changing. She'd been completely mobile without any aids up until she broke her leg. And, you know, she's in the hospital and you're trying to make decisions and there's this whole COVID thing going on in the background. And you're like, I don't even know what that is. Isn't that in China? Why do I have to worry about that? You know, and it's like, do I have to worry about that? It seems like now maybe I have to worry about that. And it's just like as if you had enough things to worry about, we had to toss in this virus, COVID. whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's just like this 
one, once, it better be once in a lifetime pandemic. So I was in the process of trying to talk to the surgeons because my mom had had Alzheimer's for pretty much 20 years. And I have experienced, not personally, but a good friend of ours had both knees replaced and then he had a third surgery. And after the third surgery, his cognitive function was not, it did not pop back. It happens, um, it, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm thinking, you have no idea what anesthesia is going to do to somebody with advanced Alzheimer's. She going to wake up, like, nasty and angry? She's already a little challenging, but is she going to get worse? Well, she, I mean, like, we have no idea. It's like, the only way to find out is to do it. And I'm not really sure I want to gamble with that. She's, Pray for like, the best, and geez, it would be nice if it would, could reverse it all together all of a sudden. You'd yeah, come that would that would be great. A nice surprise, right? Yeah, that would have been fantastic, but I don't think that was an option. No. And everything I did with the sur- pretty much, well, with the surgeons, but pretty much everything was like on the phone. So like I'm in the room in the hospital and they're caught talking to me on the phone, which was annoying and also weird. So I asked the surgeon, hey, you know, how long do I have to make this decision? I'm like, I, I just, I need to be able to sit and just kind of dwell on it think about the it the decision to go forward with the surgery is that correct yes okay yeah she needed surgery to fix the breaks and she needed physical therapy whether she did the surgery or not mm-hmm. so i'm in the process of recording with this particular guest who is very much into mindfulness and i what i learned from him saved an entire day so this oh. one day, I'm walking through the house. I'm going from the kitchen either to my office or the bedroom. doesn't really matter where. And I can literally feel the volcano about to erupt. And this is when we're at the very beginning of the quarantine. It was just me and the husband and the dogs. <laughs> I thought, I know it's going to happen. I'm going to explode. There's going to be a fight. The whole day is going to be ruined. This is terrible. And there goes the marriage. There goes everything yeah, else. It's like, you know, this is not going to help anybody. And I literally could feel my head was about to pop off. And thankfully, what I'd learned from this particular guest whose name is going to completely slip my mind since it's been over three years, is to stop and take a breath, analyze how you feel. Well, so I was angry, like just unreasonably angry. And I stopped and I said, hello, anger. Why are you here? And immediately... All of the anger flooded out of my body, and I immediately understood that the reason I felt the way I did is because I was just trying to make the right decision for my mom, and nobody had the answers. This is not a criticism. Right. So you actually have to stop and confront your feeling and basically ask, anger, why are you here? Or sadness, why Mm -hmm. are you here? Or frustration, whatever it is, as opposed to just saying, I'm angry. It's different than acknowledging it versus confronting it, correct? Right. So what good was it going to do to, you know, pop off at the husband who had, who, I mean, he's not a perfect person, but he was probably going to be innocent in that But we won't tell him that. (laughs) No, no, no. And I could not believe you could literally feel the anger just drain out of my whole, like from the head to the toes onto the floor. And I was like, wow, this really works. And it's just, it's literally was like 30 seconds immediately changed my whole perspective. And then it made it easier to kind of think about the decision. Because, of course, we're terrified we're going to make the wrong decision. And it's, well, everybody's going to die. So, like, 
you know. But you don't want to hurry it up. You don't want to hurry it up, but it's like, was it a life or death situation? Not really. It felt that way, but it wasn't. Um, inevitably, I decided not to do the surgery, mostly because during the, the shutdown, I paid $150 for a physical therapist to go see her. She literally swatted him away, like just smacking at him and refused to even have a conversation. Not unusual. Like, yeah, it would have helped had there not been the quarantine. I would have met him there and I would have intervened in the situation because I have no idea whether he knew how to talk to people with advanced Alzheimer's or if it was him, it was her, or both. Or I have no idea. But he was a stranger to your mom. She wasn't mm -hmm. familiar with this fellow who was asking her to do things that she didn't want to do. So I get it. We all get it. Yeah. I wouldn't really appreciate that either. So he was more than happy to go back again. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to give you another 150 no. bucks to get abused. <laughs> it's, that's not really my thing. And thankfully, that was the right decision because, as most of us know, we hear about an older person breaking a hip. And two weeks, two months later, they're gone. Well, that's what happened. My mom passed away March 31st, 2020. So I'm really glad I didn't put all of us through the whole surgery issue because inevitably it would have just, it wouldn't have been the right decision. It would have been a waste of time. So she passed away two or three weeks after. Two and breaking. a half. Wow. Yeah. It's not unusual. It's, uh, some can be, I think the average, I've heard the medical profession say if the hip is broken, it's about six months. So six to eight months is about the longest, although I've heard others that are longer, depending upon how physically and mentally strong they are to begin with. And that makes a difference. Yeah, I don't know how physically strong she was. She definitely had osteoporosis. She walked hunched over looking at her feet. So she had the kyphosis, the hump in the back. Mm -hmm. um, so her balance you know, was off anyway. It was getting worse. She'd had, a, she'd had two unobserved falls. And then the one that broke her leg is basically she was fighting with the caregivers over the shower. Oh, and she was, was in a care facility at this time? Yeah, and it was so, not their fault. So I always have to clarify that because my mom thrived in memory care. She had friends. She did activities. She got into mischief. She lived the best life she could have lived with advanced Alzheimer's, far superior to what she would have had if she'd lived with me. The problem with those places is the caregivers need, they need more of them. They need to pay them right. more. And they need more training. So it's like, just, you know, back up the dump truck of money. And those places are already super expensive. The other day I was talking to a, a nurse who said, we're in a state of crisis. Of course, those of us who are in this industry or caring for a parent have some idea or about to go down the road. You probably don't have the idea. But she said their staffing was one nurse or eight to every now 30 residents. And it's getting worse. So, and then somebody else I was talking to the other day, my former lead aide, who's amazing, is working at a rehab facility. And she said they're at about 1 to 17 to 20. But the other thing that she said, as a professional, she's concerned about colleagues coming in who are hungover, high, intoxicated in some way, and you can smell it. They're just reeking. And so my question, and I've heard this in other places, is, so what are they doing? It's nothing. They just let them come in and work anyway because they need a, another warm body there. Whether they're physically working or not, at least from a numbers count or head count, it'll look like somebody's there if they need it from the outside. So you, depending upon the type of facility, medical facilities have greater restrictions or requirements. 
than non-medical facilities. And people don't understand that a care facility is not necessarily a medical facility. Neither is an Alzheimer's or dementia wing. They're not considered medical facilities. But I don't want to raise anxiety levels even more. <laughs> As I say, hello, fear. Why are you here? I know. It's like, oh, because I'm almost 57. I'd like to be able to age well. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> so what you are know? some of the other things that you do to sort of bring that level of anxiety down? And is there something else that we can do that's a little bit more, well, I don't say concrete, but it's the only way to describe it, that, that takes that now and either throws it out the door or gives us the opportunity to better understand it so that we can reduce that feeling in ourselves and don't make bad decisions or create anger among those that we don't intend to create anger for. By confronting how you feel, because most of the time, like that particular day, I could have exploded and made life miserable for the two of us in that household. Even the dogs probably wouldn't have been happy. Or I could have just squashed it down and tried to pretend that I wasn't angry for, quote, no reason. But by confronting it and saying, why are you here? It it really makes you pause. First off, you stop. Literally, I stopped walking. And you say, you know, take a deep breath and say, why are anger? Why are you here? Or whatever other emotion just happened to be anger for me. <laughs> and it really makes you stop and ask yourself, what am I really feeling? What is this anger trying to tell me? Because in a lot of respects, we have like, really super complicated brains but there's some things that are just so basic and we have these lizard brains that react right. badly to certain things but some of the other things i do sometimes you just have to remove yourself from the situation and i have a funny story so i've had a number of golden retrievers for 30 years right now we only have one which is very unusual but a year or so ago i was walking both of our dogs that we had to listen to podcasts or sometimes music or I do really like to do the power walks program with a with Peloton but we have so many friendly neighbors I was constantly pausing things so I'm like this is just ridiculous I don't want to look antisocial trying to meet people in our new community so I'm walking along and I'm looking at the pine trees and the birds and I'm like I took this deep breath I'm like oh the pine trees smell so good so I'm just appreciating nature and the sun on my skin I'm not thinking about the 50 things I need to do. And oh, you know, somebody's got to vacuum up the volumes of fuzzy golden fur all over the floor. And the funny thing on this one particular day is the younger dog, the one that we don't have anymore, he had to do his business. I'm smelling the beautiful trees and all of a sudden it's like, oh, did you have to ruin the poop happens? <laughs> yeah, well, he he uh, blinded my nose to the beautiful smell of the pine trees. Two and four-legged animals alike. Yep, yep. <laughs> And it was, and, and it made me laugh. I mean, you know, it's part of nature. Wanted, it just wasn't the pine scent that you wanted. No, not at all. And it just was funny, but it's like just stepping away, getting out in nature. Yes, you can ruminate over the zillion things you have to do, but one of those friendly neighbors will probably stop and say, hey, how, how's it going? Oh, pretty dog, blah, blah, whatever, you know, the usual chitty chat. And it just kind of takes you out of that scenario it's like the dog that we currently still have she will go any place i think she'll go any place with anybody golden retrievers two things don't care where they're going or who they're doing it with and i haven't eaten in the last five days please feed me it's like i just fed you five minutes ago no you didn't i'm starving to death it's like are you my mother <laughs> yeah the other things that i do so we downsized right before the pandemic and we 
We sold our huge house. We lived on a golf course that they'd closed. My husband's a real estate broker. And he said, this was October of 2019. He's like, we finally have equity in this house because, of course, we bought it in 2007. <laughs> Not good timing. But you know what will happen if we sell? One of two things will happen. Mom will die or my paternal grandmother, who we called Nana, will pass away. My mom died. And then a year later, my paternal grandmother died at 103. So the whole oh, pandemic wow. was... And we also lost a dog during that time, too. Three, three whammies, yeah. It was, it was not the greatest time. It was nice to pack that house up and drive away and be like, goodbye, pandemic house. I don't ever need to see you again. But because we had downsized, I got rid of tons of crafty stuff. Like, I had crafty stuff from our very first house we bought in 98. I'm like, you know what? I've had this stuff for 20 years. Let's just get rid of it. I gave so many things to teachers. Because my plan was, when I figure out the hobby I want to do, I will just go to the store and buy it. Good plan, right? <laughs> As well, opposed to hoarding it in the meantime. Exactly. So it was like, the best thing we did is we set up the, the rental house, our temporary house, for everyday comfort. Not potential parties or guests coming over. The dog slept on the bed. So you removed that anxiety and all the idea of what it's like one more thing you had to deal with. Including taking care of mom and grandma. Exactly. So mom passes away and I'd been scrolling on Instagram and I kind of stumbled on homemade handcrafted card making. And I thought that looks smart because what I was trying to find was a creative outlet that did not clutter up your house. I mean, how many Afghans and knit things do you need? How many <laughs> paintings do you need, especially before you even get good at it? I like to bake, but there's only two of us, so I prefer not to weigh 300 pounds. But cards are small. They take up a small space, right? Give them away. That's even better, right? And, yep. and you're not investing $300 to give something else away to somebody that you thought, oh my God, it took me forever to learn this. So it's another way to basically meditate and mm -hmm. without the, uh, uh, again, meditation folks, the woo woo, I don't mean it from a negative perspective, but it's, Without having to be a true meditative practitioner, it's a way to escape from mm -hmm. your daily challenges that you're dealing with every day and put some energy into learning something new that gives you some peace and calm at the same time. Mm -hmm. Keep your hands and your mind busy right at the yep. same time, correct? Yep. It's, and it's super beneficial. There was a recent afternoon. At the end of the day, I was like, this has been such a frustrating day. And... It was not quite time to start dinner. Uh -huh. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to work on a card. Like, I just need to do something different. I need to stimulate my brain in a different way. I need this creative outlet because that actually calms me down. And I, I, I have a tendency to do them in stages. So one of the designers I like says compartmentalize making. Like work on your backgrounds and then cut out all the pieces and then color the pieces. Become an overwhelming task at the same time. Again, another way to take that level down and just take a deep breath and say, all I have to do is paint the background. <laughs> yep, exactly. And now you're working on it and maybe listening to the birds outside or we have an army of hummingbirds and those oh, are kind of entertaining little critters. They are. They, we have some that are super curious. They have buzzed like literally buzzed through my hair like what's they're very that? aggressive too oh yeah so that's the other thing you could also take your craft outside and just listen to the nature and the birds and feel the sun on your skin but this particular day just taking a background that i'd made previously 
And, oh, look, I've got some pieces, parts left over from another card project. And, oh, here's a sentiment. Boop, boop, boop. I put it all together. And just that release, just the not thinking about what are we having for dinner? What are we going to do on our vacation when we go to Glacier National Park? Because nobody planned ahead to book things. And now that's not an option. You're just focused on one little simple thing. And it's it is very meditative. I can do it for hours. And the only way I know how long it's been is I usually either A, put on a podcast or I put on YouTube videos from card makers. And I'm oh. like, okay, well, I'll put on this one from so-and-so that's an hour long. And then like 10 minutes later, the video's over and it's like, geez, that was fast. So it's a way to lose yourself. And actually with the card making, I haven't made cards. Well, I shouldn't say that. We make our Christmas cards and draw them out and have them printed up. But now it's just too much of a pain in the neck to write each card out. So I'm starting to do YouTube videos. Send friends at Christmas time oh. instead. But Ooh, private channels, yeah. So, it, But anyway, the idea that when you're done, that sense of relief almost and completion, say, I've got one more thing done off my list, even if it doesn't benefit anything. Although I would say cards actually probably do benefit others because now you're passing the joy on to somebody else who's receiving that and you feel good by yep. making somebody else feel happy at the same time in their gift that they get. At this point, so I, I try out new, because I've only been doing this for three-ish years. No, that's a long time, more than I've been. I haven't done it at all, so. <laughs> well, it took me like six months to figure out the whole process and then kind of dove headfirst into all this stuff. And I would try out techniques and things and finish cards. And a year or so ago, I'm like, I'm going to see how many birth, like how much variety I can make in birthday cards with what I've already got. Well, when I got up to 60 cards, I stopped because I don't got that many friends. I was about to say. <laughs> you should be running for president now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so at this point, oh. I started a card making club here. So they're like, oh, any clubs that want to donate stuff? I'm like, hey, would you like two boxes of homemade art? Whoa, whoa. I understand the employees were thrilled, but that left me with four boxes. So the neighbors all got them and they were thrilled. I've got like a whole line of sentiments that are snarky, like... That's a terrible idea. What time? Just funny. <laughs> yeah. See, it's Love like it. yes. Okay. And I Sign know me up neighbor. for that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, there are a few in there that are a little bit harsh. Not sure I'll use those, but for the most part, it's been really fun to create these snarky cards. And I'm basically making them in little batches to give to the neighbors. So I asked my husband, I'm "Like, do you think they're going to want another box of cards for Christmas?" Oh yeah. So and so would love it especially if you did X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay. So now I'm basically crafting cards to give to the neighbors so they can give them away. <laughs> I love it. So you've actually started a business almost out of your mindfulness crafting at the same time. Yep. Gosh, I, I love the idea of being able to dive into something that takes you away from the, re I'll say the reality of the harshness that we're dealing with from day in to day out that brings a little joy to yourself, to others, and it also gives you a sense of satisfaction of completion because there's nothing worse than constantly having open ends because that creates another level of anxiety. It's like, I've got to get this done, I've got to get it done, and pressure that, or a sense of failure that we haven't completed anything as well, which is not healthy for anybody. And when you're dealing with caregiving, the end is what we're facing. I wouldn't say that the end of somebody else's life is a sense of completion for you. Really, it's probably not the best thing to look at it, but it's really wanting to make sure that we do well for them so that we don't end up 
having to to deal with the the anxiety of of living with the what ifs afterwards. So yes. it's nice to be able to have some ideas, and I like the idea of being able to. You said confront what, that feeling, like hello anger, hello Miss B B I T. You can fill in the blanks. Yep. And <laughs> why are you behaving like that today? Because I want to. <laughs> Might have to dive into why do you want to? Because I know, I'm angry right? At the world because my mom's had Alzheimer's for twenty years, and and I'm just plain I, angry, and it's okay to be angry sometimes. Yeah, that. and you can if you accept that I'm I'm really angry. I would get very frustrated. I had to learn to find answers to how to how to best care for my mom. And one of my biggest struggles was since my dad passed away three years prior to my mom. It just frustrated me that I'm like, you've got three grandkids. There's all this travel you wanted to do that dad wouldn't do. You're like, you should be traveling and hanging out with the grandkids, especially my daughter is 14 years older than my niece, who just graduated from high school. So that should kind of tell you the age range. And then my nephew is younger. So I'm thinking my daughter got all the best years with grandma. She should be hanging out with the other kids, especially before my niece like runs off to college or whatever she's going to do. My nephew's got autism he's not really uh, bad but he's definitely a, a loner yeah, yeah. um yeah. you know dealing with him is different than my niece which is you know total, that's not unusual but it's like my mom would have thrived dealing with those kids and she would have done stuff with my daughter but when my mom moved into memory care my daughter was 25 so, so it was like she was robbed <laughs> from that is harsh to deal with too i understand i I had to get over being angry for my mom because that didn't do anybody any good either. No, no. And you know, and being able to say, why are you angry? It's like, and then because she should be able to do these things. Well, that's, yeah, but. We have no angry. control over some of those things. And just, I see how that could be very beneficial. And what can I do? And that's okay. What can I can do to, to control or to feel better about my myself so I'm not angry, right? My My solution was to do. To give my mom as much joy as I f possibly yeah. could without doing anything that would drag out dying from Alzheimer's. I had a tightrope to walk, and we did good. Yeah, She made it easier at the end. Now, doing good, I think, is ultimately what we want to do. And we want to do good for those that we love, but we also need to consider to do good for ourselves. Sometimes we forget that as caregivers, that yep. as much as it is about taking care of those that we love, and making sure that their life is good right to that very end. As I like to say, every day counts. Every day counts for us, too. And I think that's important for us to be reminded of. We do forget. That's an interesting aspect, I guess, of the human brain. It's like we're taking care of somebody. We know they're dying. They've got a life-limiting terminal disease. Obviously, we don't know when. And we do everything possible for them to our own detriment. My husband's got a client who is taking care of mom. I think she she's not cognitively impaired much. I think she had a stroke. I'm not entirely certain what the situation is, but dad has dementia, refuses to allow her to bring in help because she should do it all for her, all herself for right. him. And my husband just basically laid it on the line and told her, "You got to you got to trash that thought because that'll kill you." Those are Setting limits and letting people know where those limits are are also important to, I'll say, the wholeness of the self as the caregiver, whether you're caring for a spouse or the adult child taking care of a parent or even 
a younger child the other day. I heard somebody as young as 12 had taken care of her mom at some Ooh. point. Yeah, that's that's very hard because you're not an adult yourself. No. But I love this conversation. So just to do a quick wrap up, there are a couple of things that, that I heard here that we dealt with in trying to figure out a way to be more mindful. And maybe mindful is not the right word, but finding a sense of balance and peace for our own heads and our hearts at the same time, which is basically being mindful and relieving some of that stress and anxiety as a caregiver is one, just to confront the issue. Just mm -hmm. tell yourself a little self-talk goes a long way. Not a therapist myself, but that I know friends who are therapists who say, you know, self-talk works. And just say, hello, anger. Why are you here today? Or hello, frustration. Or hello, Miss B. <laughs> Whatever it is, or Mr. B. Maybe it's not Mr. B, it's Mr. A, right? Yeah. Case. And just ask the emotion why you're here and try to help relieve some of that by getting rid of it that way or just taking it off so it doesn't become a detriment to others around you. And then diving into nature so that you have it, you can really use your senses to their full extent. We have five senses. Let's use all five of them and smell the grass and the beauty and, and feel the sunshine on our back and and see, see the hummingbirds that are buzzing through your hair and, and playing whatever else. It's okay. Or just touching, touching somebody that you love goes mm -hmm. a long way. And then learning new crafts. The meditation of a craft or a skill can help remove you from the, I'll say the pain or just the frustration that you might be dealing with. And simple tasks go a long way. You can actually give joy to others by creating new things, beauty in, in other ways and, and a smile on somebody else's face. The first batch of cards I made when I figured out all of the pieces, parts that went into the craft were Halloween cards that I made and gave to the residents where my mom lived, the memory care residents. How wonderful. Because it made them happy, and I knew they weren't going to judge my, my beginnerness. You know, the fact that they received a gift from mm -hmm. somebody who cared enough to care about them when not every family cares in those facilities, so... That was a beautiful gift, no matter what. Well, thank it came you, with Jennifer. some chocolate. <laughs> so yeah, well, too. chocolate goes a long way, too. <laughs> yep. This has been great, Jennifer. I love your stories. I love the solutions that you've shared. For those of you who are listening, Jennifer is also a podcast colleague and friend of Fading Memories Podcast. So I'll put a link in the episode notes so you know where you can find her as well. And there's so many of us out there who are dealing with this. There's a lot that you can learn from friends, from colleagues. And don't be afraid to ask, because asking can actually be your next best learned skill. I agree with that. So thanks, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. It's been a delight. And if you like the show, please share a link with a friend, a family member, or somebody else that you know who could use a little help at a time that could be a little rough. Why? Because it can be your gift to them. And this is my gift to you. We'll see you soon. Or as I like to say, we'll hear you soon. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step -step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. 
All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright Caremanity LLC.